Right, as Nathan said, the reading today is Matthew chapter 7, the first six verses. In the Church Bible, it's uh, page 971. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, that you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Well, good evening, everybody. And as we turn to this passage now, let's just bow our heads and let's just pray again. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word to us and pray now that you'd open our hearts and our minds to receive it, that in so doing you might speak to us, that you might uh, challenge us, that you might encourage us, that you might strengthen us. Lord, help us, we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to have to say all the usual sort of uh, things which this series has been accompanied by, and to say that this what I'm preaching now is not the best sermon ever. We're talking about the best sermon ever, which is, of course, the Sermon on the Mount. And in particular, we're looking at that passage that Graham just uh, read to us, uh, where uh, we could use as a heading, uh, Don't Judge. Now, if someone uh, is accused of being judgmental, someone says, oh, so-and-so is a, a, a very judgmental person. If we are told that we're being judgmental, it's never really intended as a compliment, is it? I have to say, though, that people who accuse others of, uh, of being judgmental are themselves being judgmental in saying that. And, and there we have the problem that it's so easy to see ourselves making judgments all the time. Uh, if you read any commentaries on this passage, if you listen to sermons, more often than not, the preacher, the writer, will start uh, by explaining that there are times when we should be judging. Uh, in fact, the Bible enc encourages us to do so, uh, and that, which is a bit strange when Jesus says very clearly in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, do not judge. So I suppose the first question we have to ask is, to judge or not to judge, what ways should we be judging? Well, you don't have to look very far down uh, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount before you start finding examples of what, what I mean by this. Even the passage we just looked at, do not give dogs what is sacred, do not throw your pearls to pigs. Now Jesus isn't giving a bit about animal hus husbandry uh, there. Uh, he is talking about, uh, about the way in which we might sometimes have to stop casting our pearls of wisdom, the gifts of God's word to certain people because they are so hardened in their hearts that they would just trample it underfoot. We'll come back to that perhaps a little bit later. But there's an act of judgment involved in that, isn't it? Um, go down to verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are fero ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. That involves making a judgment, doesn't it? Who are false teachers? How do we know that they're false? But by how do we know that they are false teachers? by the things they say and by the fruits of their lives and, uh, and so on. 
Um, you could go on further through Matthew's Gospel, get to Matthew chapter 18, and it's talking about how we get reconciled to someone who has sinned against us. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 15, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, if they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. That involves an act of judgment. How do we, you know, at some point somebody is saying, that person sinned. It's an act of judgment. It's discernment, if you like. Uh, there, there are other passages we could turn to. On a, a national stage, uh, you could turn to Romans 13 and read about how God has instituted the governing authorities, the, the governments of our land, the magistrates, to, to, to ensure that uh, justice is done and that wrongdoers are punished. There's acts of judgment involved in that, instituted by God. And, you know, if we were to say there is to be no judgment whatsoever in the world, in the church, well then judges wouldn't be able to judge. Lawmakers would have no point in making laws. Governors would not be able to govern. Leaders would not be able to lead. Rulers would not be able to rule. Bosses in, in, in work would not be able to boss people around. And, you know, dealing with misbehaving employees or whatever. No judgment, you can't do it. Elders would not be able to be elderly. It doesn't quite fit, does it? Uh, but the overseers of the church wouldn't be able to oversee the church. There are times when we are called to be judges. That what do we mean by, <laughs> by judging in this context? What does Jesus mean when he says, do not judge? Well, it's very simple in some ways. He's talking about, uh, as in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking fundamentally about our manner of life and about our attitudes and the things which govern our decisions and so on. And you see in the little uh, parable he <laughs> gives us of uh, planks and specks of sawdust in people's eyes that what he's actually getting at, it is, it is the misuse of judgment. So all those other things I've mentioned, there are clear standards that you can look at, you, things that you can compare what, what you are deciding with, you know, what the scriptures say, for instance, or there are set processes to go through to ensure that justice is done and, uh, and so on. Um, but what Jesus is talking here is about the misuse of judging. And there are some sort forms of judgment which are for good. You know, you're judging something between something and you find something that is good and that, that, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but, uh, and some, <laughs> some acts of judgment are just deciding whether something's right or wrong, but there is also a sense in which you can pronounce judgment whereby you sentence people. And the sort of attitude that Jesus is addressing here is where these things become misused, where somebody is not just simply discerning between right and wrong, discerning between good and bad, but actually acting as judge, jury, um, and even executioner. Martin Lloyd-Jones, when he was preaching on, uh, on this passage way back in the 1950s, and his sermons got turned into a, a couple of books in 
1959 and 1960, uh, he said that one of the problems of the church in his day was there was this total lack of discernment and uh, of seeking out what is right. You know, anything would go. And in a sense, uh, that, that attitude is still uh, amongst us today. But I think we live in one of the most judgmental times uh, that's been seen for, for, for ages. Everyone ha feels they have a right to give an opinion. And it doesn't matter whether it's actually based in truth or whatever. Uh, people want to say, have their say. Uh, we see it uh, all over the, our newspapers and television uh, reports and news feeds on the, the internet. We see it on social media. We see it uh, in just in everyday life where individuals want to have their say. It's our right of free speech to say whatever we think. And because there's so little regard for truth, in fact, truth is sometimes regarded as not being anything like truth anymore. It's just what we might say is truth. Others might accuse us of, uh, 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 us of simply adopting views that um, just suit us in order that we might oppress whatever minority they represent. We live in a post-truth society. And so everyone has feels that they have a right to say whatever they think. I think it's good for us to remind, remind ourselves that whilst we might have a right of freedom of speech, we also have a right to remain silent. And anything we do say might be written down and used against us. It is sometimes worth remembering that with freedom comes responsibility and how we speak, how we write, how we uh, convey our feelings and our views needs to be tempered with uh, justice, righteousness and godliness. So, what is Jesus getting at here? To judge or not to judge. There are times when we have to make decisions about what is right and what is wrong. But what Jesus is getting at is where we, <laughs> we just say what we think about somebody without actually considering the consequences. It's about our attitudes and actions, which is really what the Sermon on the Mount has been about since the beginning of chapter 5. Uh, I think this particular bit about judging comes in now because we've just spent two chapters worth of uh, teaching looking at all the sort of different things that Jesus had been talking about, just um, glancing down the page. It's talking about things like murder or hatred, uh, adultery and lust, um, about uh, taking revenge or uh, how we should love our enemies, giving to the needy, about how we should pray, about fasting, about how we store up treasures in heaven and not here on earth, and, what, and how we should not worry. Uh, and then it, it would be very tempting for the Jesus listeners or for people reading this or hearing it uh, to be mentally ticking off as they go, Oh, I'm not bad at that. No, I, I, I do that. I do that. I do. That. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm pretty good. And those were the legalistic bent of mind, by which I mean, not that they want to just be good, but because that they see that actually being good is the way to getting right with God. Of, you know, they are somehow special people if they manage to achieve everything. That sort of person might be getting to this point where they're thinking of themselves more highly than they ought to think and starting to look down on those others around them who they think they're better than. You know the sort of attitude? It's very much a pharisaical attitude. 
I mentioned before in this series about the, the parable of the tax collector and uh, uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector going up to the temple to pray and the Pharisee standing at the front and, 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 and praying so that people can hear, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Uh, you know, I do this and I do that. I, I'm so wonderful, Lord. And you've got the tax collector bowing his head at the back. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, that's the one that goes home justified. Not the proud, arrogant Pharisee who thinks he's got it all right. And the Pharisees were very much those who would find fault with other people. And again, they come into Jesus's uh, <laughs> focus uh, because their influence upon the people was so great that you know you could show that you're good by comparing yourself with this riffraff around you. And what Jesus is really getting at is our attitudes and our actions. And he says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Who is doing the judging? Who is judging us if we judge others? Well, in part, it's going to be the other people around us. If we treat people badly, don't be surprised if they apply the same treatment to you. But there's also a sense in which uh, <laughs> this could apply to the way that God treats us. We hold ourselves up to a particular standard, he will hold us to that standard. We impose those standards on others, he will uh, look at us in the same way. And, and it may not be in terms of eternal judgment and so on, but it may be in a temporal judgment that you get your, your comeuppance. When Jesus uh, is talking about this, he, uh, he is looking at uh, hypocrisy and eye care. Uh, I, I, I think I was having a little bit of a, a brainstorm when I was doing the, the PowerPoint. I kept on coming up with different headings, and one or two of the more odd ones have, have crept through. Um, He's getting at people's hypocrisy. Yeah, because those who judge others are often guilty of hypocrisy. But why do we do it? We'll come back to that in a moment. Why do we do it? Why do we judge others? Why do we want to stand in judgment over other people? I mentioned legalism earlier on. We, some, some people will take the view that uh, the only way that you can get to where you should be in life is by keeping all the rules and doing, and doing your best and doing your hardest. The Christian really knows that there's no hope in that because we're never good enough. But it doesn't stop some people thinking that they can do it. And having got that point, they then look at others and say, well, you know, I'm better than them. So it's... Legalism. Some people take a perverse delight in other people's failure. They are quite pleased when someone big and famous falls, when someone uh, is caught out in some great sin. Some people take a perverse delight in that, and they like to point it out in a much more gentle sort of way. How many people, I think, uh, I, I wonder... Uh, find it exciting watching Ski Sunday and they don't watch it to look, admire people's skills. They wait for someone to crash or watch motor racing for the, uh, the pile-ups on the corners rather than the skill that people have in getting around the, the track without harm. Or 
countless videos on YouTube of people slipping over on the ice, or ships ramming harbours, or getting stuck under bridges. There's a certain delight in seeing things go wrong. And I'm afraid that some people apply that same sort of attitude to others. Uh, but I think arrogance and pride lies at the heart of a lot of our judgmentalism. Wanting to look good to others. The person with all the right opinions. The wise person who is someone who can show others how they should be. A leader, even though they may never see uh, a leadership role ever. Oh, I think a, a good description here is a more recent uh, term, an influencer. Someone wants to announce their opinions and to show others. Whether it's announced on the internet for millions of other people to follow or whether it's just someone within church life who likes to have their say and to be seen to be wise and so on. Is that thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think? Another reason, I think, why some people uh, stand up as judges is because they want revenge on somebody. It's a sad thing to say. They've been hurt and they want to get their own back. The measure you give is the measure you get. But it's all hypocritical. What is a hypocrite? The word means... Let me get my dictionary definition here. The word means that it's someone who's putting on a show. It's used to describe an actor. In the, the original Greek word was used to, to refer to actors playing a part. And that's what a hypocrite is. You know, if you watch a play or a film on television or at the cinema or, or tune into the, your favourite drama, and there are some actors and actresses who are absolutely brilliant. You know, they can take a normal script and they can move you to fits of uproarious laughter. They can bring you into so sort of great depths of sorrow and sadness that you weep tears as they, as they act out this plot. They can make you think about things that you've never thought about before. They can change your mind on so many things. At the end of the day, it's not real. It may have had a tremendous impact upon you, but they are actors playing a part. Watching a program the other uh, I don't know if any of you watch the Father Brown uh, programs, and that there's been a program put on behind the scenes and just interviewing some of the cast. And, and on one occasion, they were they were given a number of riddles to solve, and the the uh, and you know, like crimes uh, and. Uh, as individual actors and actresses, they either had to work out who done it, and actually the person who just admitted that he wasn't very good at that was the character who plays Father Brown, uh, complete opposite of his character. Um, and yeah, we won't go any further than that. Uh, but you know, it's not real. And that a hypocrite is someone who's putting on a show, who's acting a part, but actually. They're the ones who should be looking more seriously at themselves. And so Jesus tells this uh, parable about, I've put it up there as I care, um, uh, you know, someone's got a speck of sawdust in their eye. It irritates, it's aggravating, it hurts. 
and it's very distracting and you can't see properly and sometimes they need help to get it out and so oh, let me help you says a friend um, and the problem is that the friend hasn't got a speck of sawdust in their eye the story says he's got a plank in his eye the word that's used is more than uh, in, indicating more than just a plank. It makes a good translation like this, but it really applies to a bulk of timber. It's not so much the floorboard as the joist that holds it up. It's stuck in their eye. Now, of course, that's a nonsense in, in terms of relating it to real life things with your eyes. But the point is, how can somebody possibly see to help another person when they're suffering from something far far worse you imagine if you had something stuck in your eye and, and i came along and said oh let, let me see i'll see if i can get it out for you and i said mm, glasses are a bit dirty oh i've got the wrong glasses oh, never mind I, I can't really see what i'm doing you 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 would say no no but don't bother if i said well that doesn't matter it doesn't matter i can't see i'll have a feel you know sort of open up the eye and start poking around. You would be cringing, I'm cringing even, think I hate anything to do with eyes. You wouldn't do it, you wouldn't let them do it, and nobody in their right mind would set about doing that. And yet, really what he's saying is that these people who are judging others, they themselves need to take a very good look at themselves. They haven't got a speck in their eye, they've got a great big plank. And he says, you hypocrite. Jesus hates hypocrisy. Some of his strongest words are reserved for those uh, that he denounces as hypocrites. And amongst them were the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law, chief priests, and so on. And you read on further into the Gospels, and you see what he says to them. He calls them snakes and vipers, whitewashed tombs. He calls down judgment on them for the hypocrisy. And that's where we come to what I was saying earlier on about this business of casting your um, pearls before swines. There's another one of my strange headings. Treasures and trotters. You know, casting your pearls before swine. Pearls were great treasures. I mean, what is a pearl? What use has a pearl got? It's not like a diamond that you can turn into an, an industrial tool. It's, it, it's a beautiful thing. And... In the days of Jesus, people would spend a fortune on them. He wouldn't take that and throw it into a pigsty for a pig to feed off. If a pig got hold of it, he'd spit it out and turn on you. You cast, casting your pearls. Um, no one, Graham, was reading that. I'm sure you, Graham, you were about to say pearls before swine. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I always think of that because that's how the old version goes. But you've got that that treasure what's he getting out there do you remember when he sent out the disciples uh, to go and preach the good news around the villages and one of the instructions he gave you know if a place does not accept you take you know, shake the dust off your feet off your sandals as a testimony against them leave them go elsewhere don't carry on having all your wonderful gospel message all the pearls of wisdom all the wonderful truths being trampled underfoot by people whose hearts are so hardened that having heard the word of god they despise it like pigs 
trampling it into the ground and possibly might even turn on you and trample you into the ground as well. There are times when we just move on to people who want to hear and to receive. Going back to the uh, judgment side of things, so given that there are times when we are called to be judges, to make a judgment rather, what sort of people should we be? How should we live? Not going into judgment mode, standing up and speaking what we think is right. It's, Jesus isn't just getting at people who make wrong calls, who say things that are false, dreadful as that is. You know, over the years, I wonder how many people have found uh, that their lives ruined and destroyed by people making accusations and judgments against them that are false. How folk have been wounded and hurt that they never come near a church again because somebody has revealed some of their faults and not given them a chance to respond. Or have done it so harshly and critically that there is leaves them with no sense of hope or place to turn to. What sort of people should we be? The beginning of this series, we started back in Matthew 5 uh, with those sayings that we call the Beatitudes, where it starts off, Matthew 5, verse 3, blessed are those, or whatever. And I, I said at the time that the rest of the Sermon on the Mount flows out of these attitudes. And they have an, uh, an application as to how we should handle ourselves, and particularly with regard to this issue of judgmentalism. So let's just look through them and remind ourselves and apply it to this particular issue. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is Matthew 5 and verse 3 we're starting at. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? It's people who know that they are needy. People who know that they're, they're poor. They're not people who think that they've got everything, that they've arrived, they've achieved it, but actually people who are bowed before God saying, Lord, I am poor in spirit, so help me. That sort of person surely isn't going to look at another uh, sinner and want to crow over them because it's just another sinner like ourselves. If we know how to find relief, we will go to them and bring that relief to them. Blessed are those who mourn. In the context, that's not being bereaved, but of mourning over the state of the world, mourning over the state of sin in our hearts and the hearts of others. What sort of person uh, is going to stand up and, and, and judge and condemn other people? If you see somebody in sin, what does it do to you? Are you, do you feel indignant and you want to call them out and call down wrath upon them? Or are you going to weep because you see how sad their situation is, how needy they are? And there is a way of finding peace and forgiveness and restoration for them. Will you move to tears or to righteous smugness? I hope you'd be moved to tears. Blessed are the meek being humble, being gentle. What place does judgment, judgment of whatever it was I said, uh, judgmentalism uh, have when you're humble and gentle 
blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now that seems to be the one that seems even more relevant to the whole question of, of judging others. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, where would you be looking for in that? Surely within your own hearts, taking the plank out of your own eye rather than just concentrating on the specks in other people's lives. Blessed are the merciful. Oh, don't forget the point of the gospel is to bring forgiveness, to bring mercy and grace to people's lives. Not to stand up and pontificate about how wonderful you are and how bad they are. We should look at our fellow sinners as comrades in arms in that sense. And we should seek to be merciful to them. Which might very well mean not telling everybody else about them, but going to them to seek to restore. Blessed are the pure in heart. To do things in a godly way, not being vengeful or proud or arrogant, but to seek to do all of the things that we do, particularly in this, in a pure and godly and holy way. Blessed are the peacemakers. We want to seek peace between people, not to drive wedges between them, not to want to try and uh, destroy the unity of the church, but actually to build the unity of the church that we might grow together. Of course, being a peacemaker also means bringing peace between man and God, telling people the gospel, showing them the way of truth, praying for them, praying with them, to lead them to Christ, where whatever sins that you might judge that they have done are washed away. These are the sort of people we should be as God works in our lives and changes us to be more like Christ. Then these things will become more and more apparent. If you're in a one of the home groups, you'll know that we're going through a series on the uh, the fruits of the Spirit this term, uh, this year, I think, um, up until the summer. And, you know, those are, again, things which affect the way in which we deal with other people. We shouldn't be judgmental. We should be people who use our discernment so that we might help others, not to destroy not to embarrass, not to shame. Leave things like that to God. Don't seek vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We should love, love one another, love our enemies, forgive as God has forgiven us, to be merciful, to be gracious, to be Christ-like, to be poor in spirit, people who mourn, people who are meek, people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, people who are merciful, people who are pure in heart, people who are peacemakers. It's one other beatitude I didn't put up there uh, because it's slightly different to the other ones. It's blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. If we behave like this, don't be surprised if the world hates us all the more for it that people will pick on us because we are odd and different to the world. 
But we shouldn't be like the world, we should be like Christ. Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Oh Father God, we do thank you and praise you for uh, the love that you have for us in Christ Jesus. We thank you Lord that you are our judge and that one day we will answer to you and those of us who know you and love you and have come to you through Jesus Christ will know that our sins are forgiven because they're covered by Jesus Christ. So Lord, we don't come to you saying, look how wonderful we are. We know that we're not. We thank you, Lord, look how forgiven we are through Jesus Christ. And that is how you deal with us. So help us, Lord, to have that same attitude towards others, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, not thinking of ourselves as ones who, who, who judge and uh, who, who want to lord it over others, but to humbly and graciously bring the word of life to them. Lord, have mercy on us, we pray, for your name's sake. Amen.